0: Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of November 20, 2016. We begin this week's soundprints with several pieces of bad news. At the Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention last week, Allison Flanagan, Executive Director of the Kentucky Office for the Blind, Announced that Nancy Tooley, a longtime counselor with the Office for the Blind out of Bowling Green, had been killed in a horrific car accident in Tennessee. We have also learned that Charlie Allen, the vendor at Fort Knox and longtime active member of the National Federation of the Blind of Kentucky, died on Thursday, November 17. And Oral Miller let us know that Barbara Clifford, wife of KSB alumnus Jim Clifford, also passed away recently finally michael and angie mccarty were crossing third street near their home on wednesday they had their cart filled with groceries and were crossing at the light and the audible signal was sounding suddenly a van came whizzing around the corner and hit their cart pushing angie backward but not knocking her down but causing mike to flip in the air they are both recovering at home mike says he's pretty sore but he plans to be in fine form as Santa at the Council Christmas Party on December 3. And he says he absolutely can't miss being on air with us for the ACB Radio Holiday Auction on December 4. Have you joined ACB families yet for a chance to win one of two $50 Visa cards? Everyone who joins by November 30 will be a member for 2017 and will be in the Drawing. The cards will be awarded in time for Christmas. Dues are $8 per year and can be paid through PayPal by going to www.paypal.com and sending $8 payment to families.acb at or Mail Your Tech, made payable to ACB Families to Adam Reshevel, ACB Families Treasurer at 148 Vernon, V as in Victor, E-R-N-O-N Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. And remember, ACB Families has great conference calls several times a year on interesting topics. Our latest November call featured Marty Schultz, developer of the accessible blindfold games for the iPhone. Get in on the fun and learning. And join ACB families. It's Thanksgiving, and often we celebrate here on Sound Prince by reading The Turkey Shot Out of the Oven. Here it is again this year. Hope it brings smiles all round. The Turkey Shot Out of the Oven and Rocketed into the Air. It knocked every plate off the table and partly demolished a chair. It ricocheted into a corner and burst with a deafening boom, then splattered all over the kitchen, completely obscuring the room. It stuck to the walls and the windows. It totally coated the floor. There was turkey attached to the ceiling where there'd never been turkey before. It blanketed every appliance. It smeared every saucer and bowl. There wasn't a way I could stop it that turkey was out of control. I scraped and I scrubbed with displeasure and thought with chagrin as I mopped that I'd never again stuff a turkey with popcorn that hadn't been popped. Barbara Pentagor is director of the Kentucky Talking Book Library and she spoke at the 2016 KCB convention. Barbara's talk is our feature on page two. John Prophet is president of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and he has worked at a number of funeral homes over the past several years. John was our speaker at the November 18 roundabout, sponsored by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. He shared information about funeral planning, what is law and what is just common practice, and common misconceptions related to this topic. He also answered many questions from the audience. Join John on page three. And on page four is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two.
1: This uh, next speaker we actually have coming up is actually sponsored by the Tri-State Library Users Organization, which is our uh, library affiliate of the uh, Kentucky Council of the Blind. Uh, we have Barbara Pinnaker, who is the executive director of the Kentucky Talking Book Library. Uh, we haven't had her for quite a spell, so uh, we're glad to have her uh, join us, and uh, we're going to see what she has to uh, pass along as far as information goes.
2: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, LC Industries makes our little plastic mailing containers that the talking books come in I think it's at the North Carolina plant so well I hope you all are having a good conference so far it's a nice day for we have good weather um, does everyone here get talking books how much show you raise your hand if you're a talking book or braille user great Glad to see it. Well, if there are any of you who aren't familiar with Talking Books, just a short recap. We basically are the public library for people who either can't see well enough to read traditional print or they can't physically hold a book and turn the pages. We have um, reading materials for all ages from preschoolers through we have people who are over 100 years old. So it runs the gamut of ages and also for all interests. You know, we don't just have your popular fiction like the mysteries and the romances and historical fiction, but we also have biographies, history, books on health, books on disabilities, cookbooks, you know, self-help, religion, just anything you can think of. And we have both braille books. We have a braille collection. And we have what most people use are the talking books, the audio books from the Library of Congress. And you can get them either through the mail. Or you can download them with your computer and put them on a flash drive to play in your talking book player that we provide. Or you can use your smartphone or tablet or even a Kindle Fire to download and play the books. Some of the newer Kindle Fires are also available. There's an app for that as well. And in addition to most of the books which are provided by the Library of Congress, we have two recording booths in our office where we record books that are of more particular interest to people here in Kentucky. And we have volunteers that come in and record, narrate the books and help us record those and proofread them. And we um, do probably about, let's see, last year we did 35 books, new books. And in addition to the books, we have magazines provided by the Library of Congress and some are recorded by the individual talking book libraries. And there's also the National Library Service's music program. So if you have, if you uh, play an instrument and you want braille or large print music scores or you want to learn how to play an instrument or you just want to, um, you know, just various, it's not music that you listen to, but information about music that is available as well. Uh, In case you want to know how many people received talking books, uh, our our federal fiscal year ended in October 1st. So for 2016, we served 4,006 patrons. We circulated 158,072 books. That's an average of 39 books per user. And if you want to compare that, Kentucky Public Libraries, their cardholders average 12 books a year. So talking book users, (laughs) they love to read, and we love giving them the reading material. In addition to all those books that we physically mailed out of our library, another 65,157 were downloaded from Bard. So I'm glad you all are taking advantage of Bard. Um, As I mentioned before, we have the recording studio. We had 32 volunteers who contributed 1,118 hours of their time to record 35 new books in the past year. In addition to those new books, we converted 19 of our previous recorded books that were on the older cassette tape. We converted those to the digital format. And all of those, whether they're new books or converted books, are now posted on BARD. Now they won't be, um, in, we used to have in the days of cassette the books we recorded had a KY number for Kentucky and when we started doing them digitally we called them DKY for Digital Kentucky but now that they're posted on BARD they don't want to have each library having it's own little individual prefix so they're all called DBC, D-B-C. So if you're looking for Kentucky books on BARD, if you just want to type Kentucky in that search, the very search, um, first search box says search the collection, that's a keyword search. You can just type Kentucky in there and that will come up with all the books we've recorded in addition to any other books that um, have to do with Kentucky. Over the past year we've had a few staff changes. We have a couple, I don't know if some of you remember Lauren, who was a a librarian. She got a promotion and is working in another part of the state library. But we have two relatively new librarians, Tracy, who takes care of people whose last names start with, I think, S through Z. And then Susan takes care of patrons whose last name starts with D through um, I'm going to guess H. Uh, in addition to the two new librarians, we were f- very fortunate to be able to hire a studio manager for our recording studio last year. His name is Brian and he actually has experience. He used to work for NASA doing the audio for NASA produced um, films and things. So. We we're very lucky to get him right after he started we got a new recording software and he was a called Hindenburg he was able to come in and learn to use it train all the librarians to use it he's really got our, our recording studio um, on, on par with any of them in the, in the talking book network so we're very lucky to have him we had a special visitor about three weeks ago the governor and lieutenant governor uh, they came to the Talking Book libra- Library because they wanted to use our recording studio. They actually recorded some messages so um, if you were to call the governor's office and you get put on hold you know how y'all sometimes you hear music, sometimes you hear a little informational things. They recorded, some, well actually the governor recorded about 12 different messages that people will hear when they call into his office. And the lit- lieutenant governor is going to reschedule and come back and record some of her own messages. And you all may have noticed over the past couple years, uh, the Library of Congress is able to provide more books. Traditionally, NLS would record about 2,000 books a year. Well, they still do, but in addition to those 2,000 books a year, they've also got contracts with some of the publishers who create their own commercial uh, commercial audiobooks to be provided with those commercial audiobooks and then format them as talking books and provide them to you all so now there are about three thousand new books being made available a year now one of the things about those commercial recorded books is that since NLS didn't record them they don't know whether or not they have sex or violence or bad language or so forth so we have a lot of books that are considered unrated So some of our folks prefer not to get books that have explicit sex or bad language. And if we're picking books for them, we'll eliminate those kinds. But if it's unrated, they still might sometimes get some of those books. We can even eliminate the unrated books, but that would also mean it may eliminate some of the books they would like to read. So that's something to keep in mind. There are some new magazines available in Braille. The O, the Oprah Magazine, is now available in Braille. Popular Science Magazine. And Cooks Illustrated. If you were getting the Talking Book Topics catalog in audio format, you've probably noticed that instead of them sending the order form separate, they're now sending them together in a little manila cardboard envelope. Those are coming directly from the producer, which I think is Potomac in Maryland. And normally when you have the little plastic mailing containers that the talking books come in, whether a magazine or a book, there's that card in it that you turn over to send it back. Well, the, the, the TB, talking book topics catalog will come in the little plastic mailing container, but there's not a card to flip over. Instead, there's just a sticker with the return address on it. So if you get the Talking Book Topics catalog in audio and you've picked out the books you want, you're ready to send it back, don't worry that there's not a card. It's got the address sticker on it. Just drop it in the mail. Another relatively new change is um, in OPAC, which stands for Online Public Access Catalog. And a lot of public libraries have a, a, a catalog. You can go online through the internet, see what they've got, and pick books, maybe put them on hold or put them on reserve. We hadn't had one of those for, a long, for well, ever, really. Um, but we have a new system that's our automated circulation system. It's called Web Reads. And that's what we use to keep track of all our patron account information, all of our books in the collection, the circulation, the machines, but it now does have an online public access catalog. With that you could go see your own account, you can see what books are on loan to you currently, what books you've read in the past, and um, as well as what books are on your request list. You can make changes, say if you moved or your phone number or even your name changed, you can make those updates to your own account. We will get an email telling us that your account has been updated, so if you a change, you can do it yourself. There's also a way that you can search the catalog and add the books you find and want to read to your own request list. So that's a new thing. In addition to that, you can even write and share book reviews. So if you read a book you really like and you think other people are going to enjoy that, you can write a review and post it on WebReads to share with other people. If you're interested in getting access to WebReads, you can call us and we will need your email address if we don't already have it and then we'll email you a password to get you signed up and get started with that and keep in mind this is separate from BARD if you're downloading from BARD BARD is just for downloading this is for your actual talking book account and now um, just a little um, um, a short description of some of the things the changes that are coming up through the National Library Service for the Blind some of their long, medium, and short range plans. You may have heard some of these. For the short term, which is between 1 and 3 years, one of the things they're working on is what they're going to call BARD Express software. This will be software that will make downloading books from BARD on your computer a little bit easier. It's similar to if you've used the Humanware Companion software for downloading to your Victor Reader stream, it'd be something similar to that to give you some shortcuts so there's not so many steps. It's a little easier to use. And they were hoping to have that by the end of this year, but with federal government, things always take a lot longer than they initially expect. Another change that's coming up is what we call duplication on demand. Some of you may have gotten some books that are on a cartridge. and There may be more than one book on it. Um, and it's not necessarily that they're all recorded as one book. You know how some sometimes you have a series and NLS has started recording, uh, say, like three books in the series and putting them together and calling it one book. Yes, that is good. <laughs> And this the duplication on demand what we're doing at this point is if say if someone calls and they want a book we don't have if they just want one book we're more likely to interlibrary loan it from Cincinnati or another library in the network but if they have more than one book that we don't have we're downloading them ourselves putting them on what we call a temporary cartridge so this is a cartridge it's not going to have the titles of the books on a label it's just going to be a kind of a generic cartridge but we'll put several books on there and send it to you. And then when it comes, after you've read it and you return it to us, it comes back. We'll delete those off, use the same cartridge for the next person who needs some books. We're doing that on a small scale now, but as the years go on, we're going to move into doing that more and more. Basically it's more um, time and cost efficient to, instead of having shelves and shelves full of all these books that sit there, some of them go out a lot, some of them never go out. Instead of that, we're going to start working toward a system where all the books are on bar, and as it's time to send books to you, instead of sending you, say, 10 different books on 10 different cartridges, we'll send you your 10 books on one cartridge, and we'll just download them and put them on the cartridge at the time that we're sending it to you. So that's again something that they're working on the next few years, they're working on the software now and um, they're, within the talking book network there are about four or five different automation systems so they have to find a way for all those to talk to each other and to be consistent. So at this point they're working on the software to do this. The medium term plans for the next three to five years. And you've probably heard this, that NLS wants to investigate providing a refreshable Braille display for Braille readers. And this summer, there was an amendment passed to the Chafee Amendment um, that will allow, it, it, basically it gives permission to NLS to start investigating this, op- this opportunity. doesn't mean they gave them the money to do it, but they at least know now this is something they can investigate and make plans for. So that would be good. So that way, instead, for people who want it, if they wanted to read, say, the Bible in Braille, instead of getting 18 big old volumes, they can get one cartridge, put it in their um, refreshable Braille display, and read it all. Much more convenient. Another thing that's um, in the works for the medium term is the possibility of providing e textbooks. So these would be books, they're not audiobooks, they're not braille books, they're just electronic text like anyone uses but you could um, use your own text to speech software or braille translation software to read them. So that's something they're looking into that would increase the amount of books available to you all. Then for the long term, the next five to ten years. NLS is investigating or planning for a new generation talking book player that will be wireless. So, uh, for example, if you had someone who had um, wireless internet accessibility, but maybe they didn't know how to download or had trouble, we could remotely push, push books to their player. Um, right now, we have a lot. Uh, right now, only 18% of our users are even signed up for Bard, and of those, probably only about half of those actually download. I think that's several reasons. Some people found it difficult, or maybe they've lost their internet connection, or in a lot of cases, it was a friend or family member downloading for them, and then they don't have time to download for them very often. So this way, even if you couldn't download your own books, we could from Frankfurt send the books to your player that will be great. It's also going to depend on the accessibility of wireless internet technology out in all the remote areas of the state. So probably this will happen in phases. People who do have access will get it while people who don't have access will still get things through the mail. Once we do have this wireless technology where people can either download all their own books or we can just push them to it. The librarians are still needed because we have 75% of our patrons have us pick their books for them. Or maybe they call us and they're like, I'm looking for this book, just like your question. I'm looking for this book. I'm not sure what format it's in or where it is. How can I get it? We'll take care of that for you. Of course, we do the account maintenance. You know, If you need a replacement machine, you need to change something. You need to change the number of books you get, you know, the kinds of books you get. Um, and and as well as outreach. And outreach is one of the most important things because when I look at the statistics, this is according to the 2014 American Community Survey, which is from the U.S. Census Bureau. In Kentucky, it says 17.6% of all Kentuckians report report a disability. Of them, um, 3.3% report a visual disability. That's 145,000 people. We're only serving 4,000, so there are a lot of people out there who would be eligible for and benefit from talking books if they were interested. You can, yes, you can download the application from the website and you can fill it out um, on the computer. It's actually on the best way to get to it is through we're with the Kentucky Department for Libraries and Archives. So if you'll type in www.kdla.gov, that's the main website, and then we have. Um, uh, There's a menu on the right side of the screen and the Talking Book Library is there. And I do apologize. I know our website is terrible for being accessible. We're stuck with whatever the... State government has, so I apologize in advance that our website is not super, well, it's accessible, but you have to scroll through the whole menu to get to what you want. We just, like, if someone calls and they want an older book that's on cassette and they want it digital, we'll put it in the queue to be digitized, and then it's just a matter of, you know, our guys pulling it. Here's here's some of the process it takes. The, the master recordings are on reel-to-reel tape and some of them are not in very good shape. The, uh, the tape emulsion will come off, so our technician will take them and put them in a toaster oven and bake them for two or three days, and that stabilizes the emulsion so that he can run it through a machine to, um, to it's a real machine that did, that puts it on computer, makes a computer file out of it. Then once that's done, he goes through and does some sound editing to fix the sound. Once the sound is done, then it needs to be marked up so that you all can navigate it, you know, so you know the beginnings of the chapters and, and um, things like that. So it, it takes some time, and we had, you know, probably 2,000 books that we need to do, and so far I think we've done 200 Well, the main thing that the most time is spent in the digitizing and the sound editing. The markup doesn't take too long. You know, we have a couple people on staff, and it doesn't take very long at all to do that. He is very persnickety about sound, and I I am not that technologically advanced, but I know it'll take him probably a couple, two, three days to go through and fix the sound. Like if there's low points and high points, there's tape hiss, there's... You know, he, he's not actually going in and editing the content, like if someone flubs or makes a mistake or has a... He's just editing the sound alone, but he's very persnickety, and it takes him some time to do that. Yes. Now, it depends on if it's a, a book that was recorded, multiple books recorded together as one. No, you can't do that other than fast-forwarding. But if there are, like, six different books we downloaded and put on the cartridge or you downloaded, you use the bookshelf feature... That's the big green play stop button. If you push it and hold it down for about seven seconds, it'll beep and say bookshelf, and then it'll say five books or however many books are on it. Then it'll read the title of the first book. Then if you press the fast forward button, it'll jump to the second book. It'll announce the name of the second book. So if you keep pushing the fast forward button, it will announce the title of each book. When you get to the one you want, push play, and you're good to go. Now when you push when you activate the bookshelf feature it only stays for I don't know 20 seconds or so so if you don't start navigating through using the fast forward or rewind buttons to go through those titles if you wait too long you'll have to start over. You know I, I am ignorant of the I don't we don't have any devices other than the NLS devices to register it it would be the same you would go to BARD and there's an update account setting Um, link, and when you go to that, there one of the links is to change your email address. Another link is to um, add a purchased player. So if you click on that link, it will come up with a list of all the BARD approved players. You'll select the one you want that you have, and uh, I'm not sure if what other things you click on, but eventually you'll click on that. That will send an email both to Bard and to the producer of the player. Say if it's a Victor Reader stream, it'll send an email to Humanware, and then they will email you the um, permission code that you will put on your device that allows you to play the NLS books. It's NLS giving permission, but the producer of the player verifying that you do have the player, so that, um, you know, someone who's, just out there is not getting permission to someone who's not eligible for talking books is not having access. Because that's one thing they're very strict about. You know, copyright law says you have to be physically unable to read print and it has to be in a a format not available to the general public. So they're very strict, strict about that to protect your all's ability to use this program. Well, of the new books, every library has all of the new books that NLS produces. The things we're most likely not to have are the older books that were converted from cassette to digital, because they, we just, you know, they, they can't make physical copies of all those cuz then they wouldn't be able to afford to produce the new ones. So it's the older books that were converted to digital. They're going to be on Bard, but we won't necessarily have physical copies to mail. The other are the locally produced books. Say there's a say the Washington State Library records something. We're not going to physically have that here, but we can download it and send it to you or you can, you know, request it through interlibrary loan. And that's another the last point I want to make, that talking books, we want to customize it to each individual. If you want to be completely independent, download all your own books, great. If you want to get things through the mail and you want to have us pick the books and send them, great. You can do a combination of that. So, you know, we, we want to send you the types of books, the number of books, the format of books you want. So just let us know anytime you have questions, comments, problems. We want to help you enjoy talking books. All right, well thank you all for having me. I enjoyed this. We don't get to meet very many of our users, so this is always a pleasure for me. Thank you.
3: Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louie database. http colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot Org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louie. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash louis dot aph dot org. Mini book materials help braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini book braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org.
0: Page three. Our speaker tonight is John Prophet. He is the president of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, but he's not here to talk about Lions Clubs. He's here to talk about his job where he um that is his day job he's putting the hat on uh for his um his job during the day and he works at herman meyer funeral home and um he's going to talk about things that relate to planning um for your funeral and what uh you can expect or how you can uh, maybe make sure that your plans are carried out and um so I'm going to turn it over to him. He's not going to be able to stay a long, long time with us tonight um, because he says he's on call with the with the Bullock, Bullock County coroner. So we, we don't want him to have to leave here and, you know, just go <laughs> at full steam out to Bullock County. So uh, with that, I'll introduce John Prophet.
1: I want to thank you all for allowing me to come and talk. Um, thank you, Carla, for inviting me. I'm so proud to be part of a wonderful, wonderful organization. Uh, I've belonged to two organizations. Um, Lions Club, one. And I'm also a Shriner uh, through Cosair And I, um, I've been a Lions Club member for 22 years. I started very young. And um, <laughs> at 10, that's right. But um, I have gotten so much out of Uh, lionism, and I have lived as an adult in four different cities here in Kentucky, and in all four cities, I belong to the Lions Club there. Um, Carla said I was the um, president of downtown Lions Club, Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and also I'm the past president of Mount Washington uh, out in Bullitt County, and uh, that's where I started. Um, Again, thank you all for Uh, allow me to speak and um, to give you a little brief history about me I was born in Louisville as a young boy I moved to Glasgow Kentucky with my parents and that's where I was raised after I graduated from Barron County High School I moved back to Louisville to go to University of Louisville and after two and a half years of attending University of Louisville I decided to change my career and I talked to my parents and I started uh, my studies at a mortuary school in Jeffersonville, Indiana. I graduated in 1989 from Mid-America College of Funeral Service, and I served my apprenticeship with Ratterman's on Barstown Road. Jim Ratterman is actually the person that got me started in the funeral business. Um, He remembered my family name, which my father and his oldest brother started in the mid-50s. After they got out of the Korean War, they used their GI Bill and went to mortuary school. And um, I've got several family members in the, in the funeral industry now. And um, um, I give my credit to Jim Ratterman of, of inviting me to come to his funeral home and work and become a student. And um, he helped me to obtain my first apprenticeship job with Pearson Funeral Home on Breckenridge Lane. And I stayed with Pearson's for about four and a half years. And I had the opportunity to move to Mount Washington And I purchased a a business from an older couple there that had no children. And my wife and I had a small son. And um, um, my daughter, Katie, was born, I think, a year and a half after we had lived there. And um, we bought the business. And I stayed there. And Unfortunately, um, I went through a divorce. And I moved to central Kentucky and managed four funeral homes for a corporation. that was short-lived they were downsizing and uh, if any of you all know anything about corporations you're a low man on the totem pole uh, you're gone I've never in my entire life I've probably had 60 jobs in my life but I've always done better and I've left one to go to a better job but I've never been fired until then but it was a relief Um, shortly after that the gentleman that I work for now work with uh, Sonny Meyer um, is on our state board of funeral service and he um he found out that i was looking uh, for a job and contacted me and i came with him and i've been with them for five years now um i enjoy the aspect of of you know meeting people being with them trying to comfort them in one of the hardest hardest times of their life uh it's it's that's the rewarding part when i can Help them out and make anything out of a bad situation positive um, that's my goal and um, I'm also I've been doing that now since 1988 and I'm also a deputy coroner for Bullet County and I've been a deputy coroner for 19 years uh, that's probably the hardest position the hardest job I've had in my life um, sometimes it's interesting but yet, it's um, it's really tough when you have to face families at that very moment that someone has passed away in their life. It's, um, it, it's tough sometimes. But, um, um, again, it's rewarding if I can make anything positive out of a bad situation. Um, Carla and I talked about, um, well, actually I was talking about some laws in the funeral industry that... Uh, i'd like to discuss tonight and you know some of them will affect you all many years down the road um everybody will um, uh, sometime another in their life have to make some type of arrangement for a loved one for themselves Uh, you can you you can do pre-arrangements you can come and talk about your wishes with your funeral director and put them on paper, and they keep them on file. And then in the event when you do pass away, it's easier for the family knowing that was your wishes um, for your any type of service that you'd like to have or memorialization. Um, but we were talking about uh, a new law and that has to deal with primarily with cremation, but every aspect of your final wishes. For many years, people didn't realize that if you came in and made a prearrangement and that was your wish, when you passed away, you no longer had a voice. Your next of kin would be your family member, your spouse or your child or grandchildren or siblings or parents. They could then come in and if they wanted to change anything, they had that right. They could change anything that they wanted. If you wanted cremation, they could bury you. If you wanted only burial, they could decide to cremate you. There was some issues that came up uh, with a lot of marriages. Uh, You know, you've got intermarriages where where it's the second and third marriage, and you have stepchildren involved and everything. And our state association got together with legislature and said, look, when someone comes in to make their arrangement, they're making it for themselves, and that's their wish. And even though you may put that information in a will, the will's usually not read until after your services has happened. It's not executed. Um, so therefore, you know, with you making your decisions on paper then, then everyone has decided they need to uphold those. And... So now there's a new law that came in effect in July, and it's called Declaration of Disposition. A person can come into their funeral home of choice and put down their wishes and declare that I want this, this, and this. Once you sign that declaration, no one can change that. You can even sign for your cremation, your own cremation. and no one can change that. Now, here's here's an issue that we're having. And we just, Wednesday night, had a, a Fall Cities Funeral directors meeting over this new law. We went over everything. The law is in effect since July. The governor has to sign it. But we don't have the paperwork. We don't have the forms to fill out. They're now going through the process of, you know, of tweaking everything and getting everything on paper and it probably won't happen until end of this year or the beginning of next year so as it states if someone comes into our funeral home right now we kind of have to go by the old law because we don't have the proper paperwork to sign if that makes sense but eventually, very soon it's going to be be very easy and, you, and a person can declare verbally or handwritten, someone else to be their declaree. When I pass away, I want my sister, Nancy Smith, hope there's not a Nancy Smith in here. Uh, Nancy Smith to see that her wishes are handled like she wants them to. In the past, when there was a cremation to take place, the let's say there was five children involved. Four children want the cremation to take place. One says absolutely not. The cremation would not take place because that one said no. Everybody had to be in agreement or you had to have a court order. Most likely, the judge would not order it because that person's here, they're not estranged, you haven't seen your sister or brother in 20 years, you know, they have nothing to do with the family. but they're actually here and they don't want it I'm not going to approve it now with this new declaration five children three of them says yes two of them says no majority rules Um, also if there is any any situations where there's equal rights we still would have to go before district judge here probate court here in Jefferson County to see that the wishes are handled. But it does make it easier for the family. It makes it easier for the funeral director. It makes it easier for the person coming in because they know that their wishes is going to be handled the way they wanted it. And that's that's the most important thing. And that's what we were discussing, and Carla invited me here and said, you know, that might be something that you all would may want to hear or know because the regular layperson here in the community doesn't know unless you experience it every day or every so often you don't know about funerals and what laws are and what's all involved and everything and I I feel like it's my duty to let everybody know because we have a wonderful community of funeral directors there's a lot of good people here that does a lot of good for the community that cares about people it's not just about death and you using my funeral home and things of that nature it's it's, it's about life. We want to, um, well, actually take an oath when we um, um, go through mortuary school and graduate that, you know, life is very important to us and, and um, how we want to promote uh, and memorialize a loved one and everything. So that's our newest law. Um, another law that you may or may not be aware of is that in the state of Kentucky, and in most states except for two out west, you do not have to be prepared, you don't have to be involved. Um Some people think that you do, but you do not. The only time that uh, we suggested is if you're going to have a viewing for your family to come in and be with you, and they want visitors and friends to come in and be with you as well, I recommend it because when someone passes away in natural states or not so natural states, you don't know what, how the body, you know, God created us to go away, go back to earth. That's the way He designed us. We don't know how soon that's going to be. The embalming process just slows that process down. Eventually, you will go back to earth. But we slow the process down and make it. Uh, where family and friends can have a, uh, a viewing and uh, spend some time with them before they have to say their final goodbyes. That's the only reason why we embalm. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I don't know if, of anything else that I can mention, uh, you know, as far as laws or anything. Um, uh, some cemeteries have their own regulations as far as um, uh, vaults uh, when someone's in a casket Uh, they may be placed in a vault or an outer container, but that's not a law. That's only a cemetery rule. Some church cemeteries in smaller rural areas in Kentucky do not have that. and About the only reason why you would want a container in the ground with the casket in it is it helps to maintain the the grave itself over time. Um, And again, that's not a law. It's only a regulation. But... um, does anybody have any questions about it yes sir let me walk over to you here
0: yeah I have a plan burial plan in El Paso and I'm wondering how I go about getting it transferred to here
1: that's a good question um you you he he has a burial plan he has a uh is it prepaid (laughs) sir it's 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 prepaid it's in El Paso and he wants to know how he can transfer it here to Kentucky when if anybody has a plan like that at any funeral home even in any state most states i will say as in florida they they don't transfer the money you can until the person passes away okay in most states i know here in Kentucky if someone has a burial policy or a burial um Pre-planned funeral and it's paid for. They can um, they can transfer it to any funeral home before they pass away. Um, with that said, once this declaration happens, if you prepay here, no one else can change that until you pass away. Uh, that's that's one thing, and especially if it's your wish. If you You pre planned it and prepaid for it. Yes, ma'am. Um,
0: I got a question. Um what if a person wants to have a like a funeral up here in Louisville but wants to be buried somewhere else outside of Louisville?
1: Anyone can have a funeral service here anywhere in Jefferson County, and that funeral director will make sure that you're taken to the burial um is it in, in Kentucky, like in Southern Kentucky, or? Uh, yeah, it's in Southern Kentucky. It's in Southern Kentucky. Normally, if someone came to us, we would have our services at the funeral home or at their religious uh, facility, if they would want it at a church or synagogue. Um, and then after the service, we would coordinate with the cemetery in that local town, and then we would take the hearse uh, down to that cemetery for, for the person's burial.
0: Okay, I have a question. A lot of people are doing cremation, and I know of someone that wants their ashes scattered in Floyd's Fork uh, Creek, whatever Floyd's Fork, anyway. Is that, my understanding is also that's not legal.
1: It is not legal to scatter cremates. Anywhere? Anywhere, unless there is a scattering area, garden, in some facility or or land that's designated for that many family members come in and that's what they want to do with loved ones just don't tell me about it I didn't hear anything why they are against this I'll never know cremation is the cleanest form of disposition. There's there's nothing there except carbon, <clears throat> which is out of the ground, which is natural, and small, very, very small fragments, and that's it, just like ashes. Ashes, ashes. And dust to dust, that's correct. I don't think someone should take out an urn of their loved one right in the middle of... Uh, the, the great lawn down on Ohio River in front of a bunch of people and spread their ashes but it, but, it, but but if it's a if it's a private thing and that you're doing it on Floyd's Fork River, which is a beautiful place by the way, and the new park and everything that's running through there. If they're doing that and it's private, no one's around, it's going to be just a few minutes and the ashes are gone, completely gone. Um, I have, when I owned my own funeral home and I was in Mount Washington, people wanted to spread their ashes in the cemetery. And I told them, just, you know, don't let people see you doing it because they can, you know, say something about it. It may cause a whole problem for you. Um, My thing is, is to take a can of water, like a a watering can for flowers and a small little rake, and spread the ashes on someone's grave if you wanted to and then sprinkle the water on it and then kind of rake it down and no one sees anything. And that loved one goes right back to earth, period. There's, 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 if, if that, there's, um, well, I guess that's 20, 26 years, 28 years of experience learning things, but you know, it, it is against the law to, to, to scatter in a public place. Now, on your own private property, no. It is not. You can do whatever you want to. Any other questions? I've got one here, Debbie.
2: Where are you? Uh, whoops, let's see. Where are you located?
1: I'm at Herman Meyer and Son Funeral Home. We're located at one three three eight Ellison Avenue, which, if you're familiar with that, runs off of Barrett Avenue. We've existed since 1880. Um, it is primarily, uh, we, we take care of a lot of Jewish families. It is a Jewish family that that um, runs and operates the funeral home, but also I'm their manager, too, and eventually, as they retire, um, I will be an owner, a stockholder, and, and, of course, we take care of all faiths. It's not only Jewish families. They, only, they just take care of Jewish families because they're Jewish. Um, but um, it's like Ratterman's takes care of a lot of the Catholics Bossy takes care of a lot of the Catholics um, the Heady Funeral Homes primarily was all Protestant uh, you know it's it, you know, people had their own kind of niche of communities that they took care of and um, but uh, that's, that's where we're located anything else? well thank you all I really really appreciate the opportunity to talk And um, if you all need anything, I'm going to leave a card here. And um, um, I guess you all will know how to read my card, I guess, somehow, some way. And uh, if any of you all have any questions before I leave, I'll be glad to answer anything.
0: Thank you, John. It's been great. Page four, the sound Prince calendar. November 26th will be a family day open house from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. Visitors can write their name in braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, watch a movie featuring blind characters, play games designed for children who are blind, and enjoy many other activities in this award-winning museum. Holiday goodies and hot cider will be served. For all ages, call 502-899-2213 for more information and to sign up. November 28 is the Kentucky Council of the Blind Board Meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The conference call number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On December 1, the American Council of Blind Lions invites you to attend our next monthly conference call. It's open to lions around the country and to blind and visually impaired individuals who are interested in becoming lions. Share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796-096. On December 3, there will be a holiday ornament factory from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Museum at the American Printing House for the Blind. Craft your own tactile ornament to decorate your home for the holidays. Make unique holiday cards as well. Free but limited space is available. Best for children and adults, ages 6 and up. Registration is required. Call 502-899-2213. On December 3rd, plan to be at Christmas with the Council. Share the holiday with the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, Tri-State Library users, KCB Next Generation, and Guide Dog users of Kentucky. Fun for the whole family includes dinner, caroling, gifts, Santa, and activities for children. $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Registration is required. Call 502-895-4598. On December 4 will be the 5th annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, until all items are sold. Live on ACB Radio. For more details, visit www.acb.org. December 5, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will have its November-December Membership Conference Call at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On December 7, the PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. by conference call 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. December 9 will be the first GLCB roundabout in December with Braille, iPhone support, and genealogy from 3.30 to 5, discussion time from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $5 per person, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On December 10, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board will meet at 11 a.m., on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On December 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will hold its Christmas party in Owensboro, 1230-3pm. to 3 p. M. Join them for dinner, a gift exchange, $5 limit, and more, at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro, for more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. December 16 is the last GLCB roundabout of the year. It will include Braille, iPhone support, and genealogy from 3.30 to 5, sharing time from 5 to 6, dinner $5 per person from 6 to 7, and a carol sing, games, and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On December 18, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association will hold its board meeting at 8 p.m. By conference call at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.